welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Beaker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Becky, today we got a question that I'm not sure we can answer, but we're going to try on how do we protect our kids with disability in this online shift and world and just kids in general for safety? Well, uh, that's an interesting topic and a really tricky one since the kids are not sitting in our classrooms now, they're sitting in their homes. Yeah. So I think, you know, broadly, um, I realize that puts a lot of responsibility on the parents and yet they, they're in the home. So I feel like uh, parents have to educate themselves a bit. I, I really hate to say that at a time that they're already so swamped, but I don't know actually who is responsible. And I just had this um, conversation with the local school district. Everybody's reading everything about Zoom. Um, they're doing things in Zoom. They're doing, they're also getting ready to push out some things through possibly even things like Facebook Live. And it's, it's the constant question. Do we let kids appear on web camera? Do we delay streams? You know, how do we protect them? Um, do we ask for additional media releases if we are streaming it without some really, really tight security? So uh, these are all things that are brand new. I know a lot of attorneys for schools and school districts are looking at it. And obviously you have to follow whatever is the policy. Um, my feeling though, honestly, if I'm a parent, I, I'm already probably struggling with whether or not to let my kids use their cameras mm -hmm. on their computer. So I think it has to start with parents turning off the, turning off the camera, turning off, turning off the camera. If they don't want their kids to appear on there and you know, uh, advocating for themselves if they're worried about other privacy issues. But I don't know that there's new media releases and things like that that are necessary at this moment. Well, and, and not just turning off the camera, but do you have, we have a post-it note over ours. We're pretty high tech at our house. But, you know, again, knowing that people can get in a camera anytime, I think that's a safety piece. But I actually think the hardest for me, and, and I'm going to go back to being a parent for a moment, is I still remember the fight and the argument that our son had a disability. So when do we let him have a cell phone? When is he mature enough? When do they text? And you know, for Josh, do we let him text and everybody make fun of him? Because he will tell you he's the worst speller on the planet. And yet for his birthday, my favorite thing he ever said was, um, for my birthday, I'm most grateful for Siri. And he spelt it S-E-R-E. -E. And I was like, well, okay. And so one of those things that I, I think about being a parent of a kid with a disability is there's this real tug in your heart between letting them grow up and protecting them. And I think that protection is what everybody's kicking in and thinking about safety. I think it's not just safety, but how do I protect my kids from online stalkers, cyberbullying, and all of that. And so I always kind of say, well, you know, first of all, look around. Well, you can't look around right now, but you can talk to parents. You know, what are other kids? Do they have cell phones? Do they have text messaging? Do you let them text anybody they want? Do you use parental controls? I even noticed that, you know, we've got some TV, um, like our, our TV provider is offering some um, different premium channels, but I was immediately going, gosh, did you turn on the parental controls? So I'm with you, Becky. I think it's a really hard time to be a parent, but I always say talk to other people who have kids that are neurotypical and ask what they're doing and see how close you can get to that unless you think it's that parent that, you know, lets their kids stay out till midnight and they're four. That's a totally different discussion. Right. But I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Well, you know, there are 
lesson plans on internet safety mm -hmm. available online. So for our really vulnerable kids in particular, or the kids who may not fully understand, I think as a family member uh, of, you know, someone with significant needs, I would probably look at um, his developmental age mm -hmm. and I would probably look for a lesson plan on internet safety because I honestly I don't you know off the top of my head I'm not sure exactly what to teach you know my my, my own family members about internet safety other than just the common sense things we say as a parent but for somebody who may be um, at a different level developmentally I would probably look for a lesson plan and I'd probably look for some of the language I know that a lot of them include charts um, you know, just, just in the same way, Lisa, that, I, you know, um, I don't know what populations of kids you've worked with, but when I was really young and I was working with kids with really significant intellectual disabilities, you know, the, mm -hmm. the standard statement of stop, don't touch me there. Mm -hmm. Literally, that's what was just ingrained and practiced and practiced and practiced to try to help keep kids safe in a, in a physical environment. So in an online environment, I think we do for, for those kids who, who may, may be at different um, levels um, intellectually, I would definitely look for a lesson plan and see what key words I should be trying to reiterate or what key actions I should reiterate. Yeah, and I think, you know, some, again, I think the word common sense is a good one, and yet sometimes we don't even know what to have sense because, you know, you and I are fairly tech savvy, but we didn't grow up at eight with a cell phone uh, trying to figure out if we were supposed to use it or not <laughs> to tell you. I know that's bad news that we're not 20, you know, uh, we didn't know we are above 20. If you haven't been listening to our podcast, I can promise you that. But what's interesting too is thinking about kind of the levels and I, I'm going to share some of my personal thoughts and I'd love to have you bounce off on this Becky. But for example, FaceTime, I feel very safe because you and I have to call each other and no one can really come into it. Whereas I think Zoom, we're seeing that someone else can come in and eavesdrop. Um, there's other platforms like Adobe Connect that you actually have to invite people into the room and passwords. I think all of that is something to think about, but I do think giving your kids that opportunity, even at a young age, um, to use something like, there's a watch called the Gizmo that one of my neighbors uses that has a GPS tracker because again, their son has some significant needs. That way they always know where he's at, but it's got four buttons and teaching him that you don't hit the button and call, you know, somebody at work every five minutes. So, so start with that gradual release again of something small and easy, like you can FaceTime grandma. Now you can FaceTime your cousin um, and you can do that once a day. You can't do it 20 times a day and teaching that safety and then moving into some of these other environments as you talk about safety in those environments. But that's just one thought I have. What do you think, Beck? Uh, I think that's, I think that's a great idea. Um, I, I think that, that having, having a designated device or, or programming in, even, even in the same way that you do on your computer, um, using things like, like Symbaloo, um, one of my friends was just reminding me of that particular program where you, you can create links that are, you know, visual and, and limit them to certain things. I, I, I do think it's a good I, idea right now to be figuring out how to limit um, just what kids visually have access to. I'm not huge on trying to lock down everything mm -hmm. because honestly, people can always, always figure out all, all of that. I do think we have to get our kids thinking about it. Um, they, they are going to be in this environment for the rest of their lives. So teaching them uh, whatever safety means and scaffolding it, like you mentioned, I think probably is the best bet. 
Yeah, I always kind of use the analogy of sugar. If you never let me have any, I always wonder what it tastes like. Uh, but if you give me a little bit and say, you know, but this is bad for this or that, it's just like anything in moderation. And I do think right now moderation, <laughs> I know you and I are like zoomed out. Um, and, you know, again, I, yesterday I spent 17 hours in a different device, whether it was phone or computer. And it's like, all right, I love technology, but I'm not sure that's safe for even me as an adult. So I think you're right, limiting screen time period, whether it's technology for school, uh, the TV, parental controls, there's parental controls and everything from their cell phone. And when kids say, well, you know, none of my friends have them on, don't listen, <laughs> don't listen. Yet at the same time, I think my best advice came from my own son, from his life coach who kept saying, but there's a fine line of letting your kid grow up. And I'll tell you the funniest thing ever, is my son wanted to be on Facebook. And we gave him an age. We said at 12, you can have Facebook. At 11, in 300 days, not only did he get a Facebook, but guess who he friended first? His Me mother. <laughs> like, we're like, if you can try to be sneaky, don't be sneaky. And I was like, and you're not supposed to have a Facebook. He's like, I know, but I'm close. So again, it's one of those examples of, yes, trusting, but also trusting that you're going to be a part of that technology use, I think is the way to be the safest as possible. Yep, I, th I think you're right. All right. Well, we look forward to further questions and follow us on Twitter at Access Practical.